Welcome to the North Sound Church Podcast. For more information about North Sound Church, please visit our website at northsoundchurch.com. Looking over my sermon notes, not realizing I'm supposed to be doing it up here, so excuse me. And uh, welcome those of you that are joining us online tonight. It's great to have you with us for our Monday, Thursday service. We often have done this service over in the little white church, and we decided that this year uh, we would do it. Uh, we would do it over here. So, welcome! It's great to have you with us this evening. And just a reminder: tomorrow night we have a, a wonderful uh, Good Friday service. Uh, it's a, a tenebrae type of service, which is a service of shadows. And what it means is that as the evening progresses, we we sort of work with Jesus towards the cross, and uh, we end up at the end of the evening with the lights out in the room, and we leave the room in silence in order to ponder the meaning of the cross. And so, while I realize it makes for a busy week with Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, we encourage you to join us tomorrow evening for the Good Friday service. Well, uh, and then also, of course, Easter Sunday at 8.30 and uh, 10 o'clock. We invite you to join us for then as well. It's so good to see you all this evening. So it's been a while since I have sat down to write a resume. Will it surprise you that I haven't been looking for a new job? Does that, uh, does that surprise anybody in the room? Maybe uh, was somebody clapping that I should be looking for a new job? So... <laughs> Some time ago, I looked at a resume for someone who asked for my opinion, and resumes are interesting. It's the place where we tell everybody how wonderful we are, right? How we have these amazing skills that are going to take your company to the next level. And we want to show them we have proven leadership, or we've got technical skills, and the bottom line of it all is Hire me, right? Hire me. I'm going to make a difference for your company. But someone has suggested that we should write a different kind of resume. And the different kind of resume should not be announcing how good we are. But in fact, this is one where we look back over our lives and record all of our failures. What do you think of a resume like that? Probably not something, Pastor Robin, that we want to share too wisely. Of course, I know a lot about your failures, but we don't, we don't want to share um, that kind of thing too widely. I don't know about you. I have, well, I have a hunch about you. Let's be honest. I have a hunch you're probably something like me. And I have done some really dumb things in my life. Things that I wish so much I could row backwards and have a do-over. What is it our golfer friends call it? A mulligan? Wouldn't you like to have a few mulligans in your life? Be able to have a few do-overs? There are times when we do dumb things and there are other times, well, speaking for myself, when I've just completely blown it. And there, there are a whole variety of ways that that has taken place. Now, such a document would bring us back to reality if we actually began to believe the stuff that we put in our resumes, right? A resume about our failures, a resume about things that 
have gone wrong, a resume that includes our failures, our sin, our dumb choices. Even churches have resumes of, church, of, uh, of sorts. I was born into a Pentecostal home in the 1950s. I know I don't look like somebody who was born in the 1950s, but it's true. I was born in the 1950s. And in 1959, I didn't read this book, but uh, as a student of history and sociology, I discovered that Vance Packard wrote a book in 1959. And in the book, he had a section on religion. And in his section on religion, he talked about the long road from the Pentecostals to the Episcopalians. The book was called The Status Seekers. And the 1950s, when I was born into a Pentecostal home, we were in the bottom rung of the religious status seekers, and it was the Episcopalians that were in the top rung. And it's interesting when, when, we, when we look at that, how things have changed over the years. There's no longer that sociological crystallization around the kind of church that we associate with our socioeconomic status. Things have changed pretty differently. And Pentecostals can boast of celebrities in their congregations. Our own, uh, is it, Pastor Allen, is it church home or home church here in? Church home here. Um, can boast, uh, at least until he was picked up by Denver, of Russell Wilson attending home church. And the pastor has been able to boast of the fact that he has a friendship with Justin Bieber. What a change from the 50s. What a change when we had very little status, and now we find this radical change. And so... We find the Apostle Paul, however, had a very different perspective about celebrity. He shares with the church in Corinth this way. He says, whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. He says, I am more. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open seas. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is to be praised forever, knows that I'm not lying. And then he goes on in chapter 12 to say, 
I must go on boasting, although there's nothing to be gained. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows, and I know this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know. But God knows was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say or because of these surpassing great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. One of the great challenges we face as a church today is we don't always like things that are happening around us. And so we want to exercise power to change the world, to change the community, to change the government. And the irony of the church is that Jesus says, when I am weak, then I am strong. So how about you and me? Do we gather as folks who have made it tonight? Or do we gather tonight, at least spiritually, um, of those who have discovered that when we are weak, we're strong? Isn't it interesting in communion tonight that we don't recognize one who came to us in power and in great glory, but we came to one who died a death, uh, an ignoble death on an instrument of torture reserved for the, 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 the crud of society. But our Lord went there and achieved the greatest victory in what appeared to be weakness. It's not with the pride of Christian celebrities of whatever reputation, but in the same way Jesus did. And so today is Monday, Thursday. It's the traditional remembering of the Last Supper. The term Monday comes from the Latin mandatum, which refers to John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35 of the Last Supper, where Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. How? With power, with glory, with might, with influence? No. He said, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I've loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciple if you love one another. And so tonight, as we take the bread and as we take the cup, as Holy Week begins to move to a close tonight with the communion service Monday, Thursday, that, that gives us a participation in the Last Supper, the communion, the Eucharist, the body and blood of Christ. Let's ask, how well do we love each other? 
apparently one of the strongest ways to influence this wonderful community in which we live and work isn't so much about power as it is about how we love each other. That's how we're known as followers of Jesus Christ, by how we love each other. Notice the other thing that Jesus said during the Last Supper in John 13. We read it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And and here's the thing, what, what Jesus does the night before he goes to the cross. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Just before the agony of the garden that he went through and the pain of suffering the, the scourging that took place, the suffering of the cross, Jesus once again served. It wasn't enough for him to die for our sins. He took the towel and washed the feet of the disciples. And in some churches around the world this evening, they will be actually doing a foot washing. I, uh, some of you may be familiar with the pastor's forum that uh, Mark, who is running our camera tonight, and I do on KCIS. And we were talking this week about uh, the, 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 uh, the resurrection. We were talking about Holy Week. And uh, it's fascinating when you, when you look at this and you consider what Christ did, that he He stopped. The night before he was betrayed, he knew what direction this was going. In the Last Supper, he talked about the one who was going to betray him. And what does he do in those moments? But he washes the feet of the other disciples. Friends, as those who have been saved by God's grace, we're called to service to wash the feet of one another. What kind of difference would it make in a in a world that is so politically divided, if Christians were known, not for power, not for influence, but for washing the feet of those they love and washing the feet even of their enemies, what kind of difference would it make in the world? Perhaps you've heard that the ground at the foot of the cross is level and Friends, whatever situation we find ourselves in life, we come on the same basis. It's God's grace. We're all sinners. We all have that nasty other resume. Not the one that tells how good we are, but the one that lists the failures and the sins and the dumb things we've said and done and the major ways in which we've blown it. We all have that resume. And yet at the cross... God comes to us in Jesus Christ and gives us his grace. There's no celebrities here, no celebrities in the kingdom of God. We need to bring our other resume to the cross, the one we don't want to share. 
with acknowledging our failures and turning them into the grace of God and the forgiveness of God and the acknowledgement of our failures and the knowledge that he will take those failures and those mess-ups in our lives and turn them for good. When we're weak, when we're weak, then we're strong. So friends, the best word to describe what we're going to do here in just about a minute or so is the word Eucharist. And the word Eucharist comes from the Greek meaning thanksgiving. I kind of like the way our Anglican friends do it. The Eucharist is the highlight of the service. It's the climax of the service. It's not the message. It's not the preacher preaching. It's the Eucharist. Why? Because God comes to us in the bread and the cup. We experience his presence and his power in our life as we move to the bread and the cup. He is with us this evening. The Christ who went to the cross through his Holy Spirit is with us this evening. The word Eucharist means thanksgiving. And so how do we respond to God taking that nasty resume of our lives? We respond with Eucharist. We respond with thanksgiving as we thank him for his body broken for us and for his blood shed for us. Because our failures don't keep us from a right relationship with God and others. And now our thanksgiving can show in our lives the love and service to others who may look very different than us. They may believe very different than us. They may understand politics very different than us. But we, in our thanksgiving, can show the love of God through our service. And so, friends, let's consider that as we enter into the table together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, this evening, this Monday, Thursday, as we go back to Remember your body broken for us and your blood shed for us. Tonight in a special way we remember that, that first supper, the last supper that became for the church the Lord's Supper. Lord, I pray that you would remind us of the fact that at that meal you served. At that meal you indicated the way in which you would die so that we might have life. And so, Lord, may we give our lives in service to others that they would see that followers of Jesus Christ are different than others in the world. And seeing the difference would want to be like us because we are like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are going to join together around the table, and in just a few moments, I'm actually going to uh, invite you forward. It has been a joy as we remembered communion a couple Sundays ago, where we were actually able to do it by having you come forward. I don't know about you, but I didn't care much for those little cups where we tried to 
be sanitary and pull them off and all that sort of thing. I am so delighted to be back where we can fully engage uh, in in our communion. And in just a moment, um, I will come over to this section here and we will uh, start with Barb and have you come this way and back around. And then in this section, and Debbie will lead the way for us here. And then Patty, uh, if you can lead the way for this section uh, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper tonight. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And when we think about the cross and we think about that nasty other resume, Our sins and our falling short didn't just happen back before we committed our lives to Jesus Christ, but we daily need to give our lives to the Lord. This afternoon, I was visiting with a man who has been through a very difficult season, a very difficult health season, and uh, needs to be involved in rehab to get strength back into his legs. And I And I shared with him about the joy of forgiveness, the fact that God forgives us, and the fact that that forgiveness is ongoing. And I mentioned how I had shared with the congregation some time ago about the fact that I shower. When I shower in the morning, physically, I also shower spiritually and take a moment to take my sins before the Lord, because we all are at the same time saint and sinner. And I said that one Sunday I told the congregation about this, about confessing sins in the shower. And my brother Wes, who was in the congregation, said, that's why he takes such long showers. (laughs) So I, I don't know how long your shower needs to be. But tonight, as we come around this table, you don't need to carry the load of sin in your life. You can take it to the cross. And so... I'm going to invite you in the quietness of your own heart to humbly confess your sins to Almighty God, and then together we're going to have a prayer, a corporate prayer of confession. So let's take a moment and humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Let's join together in the prayer of confession. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, Have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who of his great mercy hath promised forgiveness of sins to all those who with hearty repentance and true faith turn unto him, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness and bring you to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. This prayer that I offer is called the absolution. And it means that 
God is absolving, does absolve our sins. It doesn't mean I do as your pastor, but on behalf of the Lord, I remind you that as you confess and repent, absolution takes place. Our sins are forgiven and we can enter fully into this time of communion with the Lord. The scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 refers back to what happened that night in Jerusalem before Jesus' death on the cross. And Paul writes this, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the scriptures say that in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As I distribute the communion elements the worship team is going to lead us in worship and What we'd like you to do is take the elements back to where you're sitting and take a moment of quiet time before the Lord and allow him through the words that we have shared already through the words of the songs to speak to your heart. And when the moment is right, then to take a moment where you take the bread and the cup together. And Lord, we thank you that you are awesome in this place. And you are almighty God who created us in the beginning. And in the midst of our failure, you sent a people, the people of Israel, to guide us and to show us the way. And then through your son, Jesus Christ, you showed us how to live with your life. And at the cross, you became the means by which our sins are forgiven. And on that glorious Easter, Sunday morning, you rose again, validating who you were, validating your work on the cross, and reminding us that because you live, we shall live also. And so, Lord, at this table of Eucharist tonight, this table of Thanksgiving, we say thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, if you're here and you would like prayer, we have uh, several pastors uh, in the room, and I would invite uh, the pastors to come forward. And if any of you would like prayer, to please uh, come forward for prayer. Uh, For the rest of us, I just want to remind you of tomorrow night. Our church started in... On February 15th, 2004, that was the grand opening. And there was a family called the Cowards that came to North Sound Church just a few weeks before the grand opening. And uh, they came and got involved in the church and got involved musically. And that Easter season, that Holy Week, um, they were doing an event down at a Methodist church in Tacoma. And so Barb and I and Scotty jumped in the car and drove down to Tacoma to experience this special service at the church in Tacoma. And we were so blessed by what took place that I said to Lee, 
How many years ago is that? At least 17 or 18 years now. I said, Lee, could you do this at North Sound Church next year? And he said, yeah, I think so. And so every year, I can't remember, Lee, did we not do it on 2020? I can't remember. So every year, except the first year of the pandemic, we have done a Good Friday Tenebrae service that Lee and Ginger have uh, been involved in and uh, Lee has led. And tomorrow night, it's just a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to engage in an understanding of the deep meaning of the cross in, in, in a powerful way. So I hope you'll join us for that. Whether you're watching online or whether you're in the room tonight, it would be wonderful to see you at 7 tomorrow evening. If you want to take your communion cup with you, um, I see Patty and Leanne are at the back and they will be happy to take your communion cup in the little baskets that they have. We had a special offering on Sunday evening with Mosaic Choir and Orchestra for Ukraine. If you didn't get a chance to give, um, you're welcome to do so tonight, but you'll just need to use an offering envelope or write on a check on the memo line that uh, it's for Ukraine so that uh, it doesn't get confused. Let's be dismissed with God's blessing. Now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us this day and forevermore. Amen.